Hello and welcome to the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I am Cosmo Catalano. And we're here to talk Giro d'Italia week two. Technically, it's not really like the second week started yeah, uh, two or three like days ago. Like Ten days in, yeah. But we do this every year, and I guess I should stop complaining about it at some point. <laughs> now seems like a fine time. Uh, we are nine stages into the Giro d'Italia. Primoz Roglic, well, he's not in pink, but he sure looks like the favorite at the moment. Uh, we'll give you a little update on the state of affairs. What's happened in the last nine days? Biggest news, Tom Dumoulin, 2017 Giro d'Italia champion, is out of the race. Unfortunately, had a pretty bad crash. Banged up his leg, uh, ended up pulling out of the race, which I don't really begrudge him. Honestly, I was once I saw how badly yeah, banged up his leg was. Some gory stuff right there. Yeah, and I think uh, him pulling out means maybe he'll be hopefully ready in time for the Tour de France. So I'm fine with him pulling out and hopefully giving it a go at the Tour, which I kind of wanted to see all along anyway. Agree. So, uh, yeah, the big news would be just that there's there's no more Tom Dumoulin, but... Uh, Primoz Roglic has really emerged as the guy to watch at this year's Giro. If he wasn't already, one half of this podcast picked him to win the race, actually. We did. In we our did. preview. It wasn't my half. <laughs> uh, that's all I'll say. Uh, Primoz Roglic, though, he bossed the time trial on stage one. And then there was a time trial on stage nine. And he thought, well, okay, I'll just go win another one. And he did. And at this point, he sits... Well, he sits a minute 50 down on the race lead, which sounds like he's not in good shape. But the race leader, Valerio Conti, of the UAE Team Emirates squad, rode into pink via a breakaway. And while he's a pretty good rider, he was second overall at the Tour of Turkey earlier this year, by the way, uh, I don't think he's really going to hold on in the high mountains. I mean, it would be kind of cool if he did. Maybe I'm jumping ahead in our uh, schedule here, but uh, the, one of the takeaways for me from these first couple days is how how really old school Grand Tour racing this is. Like everything, you look at the the GC and it looks nothing like what the GC is going to look like at the end of the race. You can definitely see here some very specific tactical, strategic really, decisions by uh, by a lot of Visma, Jumbo Visma, uh, to get to, to get Rolich in great position without giving him, well, giving him as little burden as possible. Uh, you know, you kind of had, you had to, uh, you know, he had this really rainy, tough series of stages, and he finally is just like, okay, let's let this long breakaway go. It's a really good set of guys to have in a breakaway. Like you said, you've got Valerio Conti, who's a Thomas Volkler guy, who can really hang on and fight for that jersey for X number of days, really putting more weight on UAE's shoulders and less on, on, on Yamba Visma's. You had that bad weather in the TT for Rolich, and there was no question. He, would, he took the beginning part of that TT a little more easy, which... Let him go much faster on the climb. Turned out it worked out for him uh, in large part because Victor Kapenart's mechanic had a had a had a panic moment that maybe didn't uh, didn't help his rider out. Um, but again, it's like you, you can see these really just careful decision making that doesn't have a whole lot to do with the racing in terms of like whose wheel do you follow, but a ton in terms of who ends up doing the work during this part of the race where the GC isn't in super active contention. And I think that's cool. It's confusing, but it's cool. It's definitely confusing to the the naked eye. I mean, if you look at the the GC standings, they're uh, they're kind of a mess. I mean, as somebody who writes uh, news updates every day, it's a lot easier to uh, to say you know second placed Vincenzo Nibali and third placed Balcomolima trying to topple Primoz Roglic, the race leader, than it is to say 
those guys are trying to topple Primoz Roglic, who's 150 down. And by the way, Nibali's not even in the top 10 right now overall because <laughs> guys like Nans Peters and J.J. Rojas, who, you know, hats off to J.J. Rojas, but they're up there cluttering the GC at the moment. They're certainly not going to be there at the end, I would think. It's so weird just to think Nibali had an amazing time trial, like absolutely went as good as it could have gone for him. And it put him not even in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and part of that, I think, this is also, I think that says something about Roglic, how good his time trial was, how good his opening time trial was. It's been a pretty solid week for Roglic. I mean, yeah, you have to think that Nibali is happy with his with his situation. He's of the bona fide GC guys. No offense to Valerio Conti, and I hope he proves me wrong. Makes this an interesting race. No offense to Andre Amador as well. Of the big GC guys, though, Nibali's the best placed right now. Uh, he is currently a minute and 44 behind Primoz Roglic. Uh, Balcomolema also looking good for Trek Segafredo. He's another 11 seconds back on that. Uh, Bob Jungles, yeah, I mean, he's over two minutes back on Roglic, but that's about as good as could be expected for some of these guys right I now. Thought, but I, thought, I think Jungles was also really happy with his TT. Yeah. Uh, Simon Yates. Not, not happy with his TT. Yeah, not happy. It's probably a, that's probably an understatement. Uh, Yates, at the moment, he is 536 back on Conti, which puts him 346 back on Primoz Roglic. That is not an insurmountable time gap, and I think we need to really emphasize that we haven't really had a high mountain stage yet at all, so who knows what can happen. We really haven't had a medium mountain stage yet. It's it's, it's all transitional, and it's like it's been great racing, but again, it's not glance at the sheet and know what's going on. You really have to be there for the stages. As Primoz Roglic likes to say in his post-race media availability, it's true. Uh, watch, you, you, he'll say it, I promise, uh, over the course of this next week. But yes, that is true. That said, it's a lot of ground to make up for Yates. Uh, Miguel Angel Lopez has even more ground to make up. He's uh, uh, almost a minute further back. Uh, Esteban Chavez, Simon Yates' teammate, similar situation. Miguel Landa's way down there. He's uh, four minutes and 52 seconds back on uh, Primoz Roglic. So, you know, it's just... Not a great place to be in for some of these guys. And I don't think they were expecting to be this far back. I know the time trial is really, it's Primoz Roglic's specialty, but he's just, he dominated. He dominated that TT and he was obviously strong in the opening TT that he won. Uh, and, and by the way, from a stage hunting perspective, uh, very impressive. I think that Roglic is able to, to win two TTs already in this race because Victor Campaners is pretty good. But as yeah, you pointed they're out, they're making him go up a hill, though. It's not. It, it's true. I think it's it's true. I think uh, the mechanical issues he suffered uh, really, yes, yeah. really changed the course of events for poor Victor Campanarts. Uh Oh, by the way, Chad Haga, sixth in that TT. Heck of a ride from our friend Chad, who I like a lot. One another side effect of this that I thought was really cool was because you have these TTs starting in reverse GC order, you have Valerio Conti racing a time trial with no other objective other than to not lose the race lead. So instead of this, you know, flat out, you know, hour long effort, you see him hit these climb sections and kind of settle into a pace that he knows, you know, he's losing X number of seconds per K to Rolich, but he'll be able to hold onto that lead without, you know, making himself weaker for upcoming stages or potentially blowing up during the TT. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just not something you see every day. I really like it. It was a heck of a week for UAE team Emirates, uh, with Conti in pink at the Giro d'Italia and, uh, first Roman, first Roman ever in pink, which is bizarre to me, but. Apparently, really, I, yeah, that's, that's insane. what they said on Eurosport. Yeah, first of all, it's insane that I missed the press release that somewhere they must have said that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, true, I have been true. busy covering another bike race this week where another UAE team Emirates rider 
had had a had a nice couple of days. Uh, Tadej Pogacar out here, really. I mean, he came into the race. A lot of the journalists were talking about him, but he was not somebody I think that maybe some casual fans had even heard of. Yeah, the U twenty three stage race championships, otherwise known as the Tour of California. <laughs> That's right. Apparently, this I think this year was the youngest podium ever, uh, with Sergio Gita up there as well, Casper Asgreen. So, UAE having a good week. Slovenians having a good week. Tadej Pogacar also Slovenian. Does he ski jump though? That's a good question. I, I didn't ask him. Speaking of UAE, let's maybe move away from the GC picture a little bit because the sprinter situation so far at the Giro has been pretty interesting. Not really what either of us expected, I think. Uh, Fernando Gaviria won a stage. He did win. He did win a a stage. He won stage three. Uh, He he didn't cross the line first. Uh, Elia Viviani has that honor. Uh, And then Elia was uh, relegated. And he was none too pleased about that relegation. Uh, I, I tend to kind of agree with the Jury, I've seen worse. Yeah. Your commentary, and I think uh, GCN too, the very much was like, you know, yes, we've seen worse things, but like, what would be great is if cycling had a consistent set of rules that were consistently enforced. And I think at previous zeros, if you're in the the tricolor jersey and you do that, you're good to go. And uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that it fell on Viviani's shoulders, uh, but I think it's the right call. And I think he's clearly got stage wins in him this year, so I hope he, he makes good on it. Yeah, the uh, application of rules in cycling, it's uh, its an interesting one. Let me tell you, having spent the last week at the Tour of California, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, but yes, Fernando Gaviria did win a stage thanks to Viviani's relegation, and then he abandoned the race uh, a couple of days later. Pascal Ackerman has been the best sprinter so far with two stage wins at the he's, Giro d'Italia. And, he's been getting you know, great he, team support. Yeah, like, Bora Hansgrohe this year. Phenomenal. The amount of wins that that team has so far this year, and the the share of them that have come from Peter Sagan, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Both of those things are remarkable. I mean, Sagan did win a stage out here in California, but it's been mostly his teammates, yeah. uh, Ackerman, uh, Sam Bennett, Max Schachman. They've done a really nice job, uh, Bora Anzagroa, of finding other talents. I mean, you, you see teams around the sport throw a lot of money at big stars and then have no money left for supporting cast members or secondary uh, stars and uh, that can that can break a team. I mean, that that can just ruin a team season if you go all in on one rider and things don't really work out for that rider because you didn't spend enough money on guys who are going to win other races. Uh, Bora Hansgrohe has done a really great job of avoiding that because they pay Peter Sagan quite a bit of money, but they've also invested in guys like Ackerman and Bennett. And uh, Ackerman showing uh, his his. Uh, Grand Tour debut was was worth it. I know there's a lot of discussion over whether Sam Bennett deserved to go to the Giro, and I don't know that Ackerman's success really changes that. Yeah, it doesn't really answer that question. But <laughs> but Ackerman has at least proven that he belongs yeah. uh, with his two stage wins and, and possibly more to come. Uh, it's been a good one for Ackerman. Uh, Elliot Viviani, I kind of feel bad for him. He he hasn't won a stage yet. He's been second twice and. He crossed the he's, line first. He's doing a lot of wheel sniffing. Like he's 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 got he's got quick step guys up there working for him. He doesn't have Max Ricchesi because he was in California, uh, looking cool in the Argentinian jersey. But indeed, he's been kind of letting his teammate lead out everybody and kind of hopping around between wheels. And I don't think it's working out for him. I think he really needs to just get up there, like 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 Ackerman's been doing, and just get behind your guys, let them do what they're going to do, and then show show everyone who's fastest in those final two hundred meters. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Caleb Ewan, we need to give a shout out to because he really impressed me on stage eight. And he also impressed me on stage four, uh, which was an uphill kind of finish. Richard Carapaz of Movistar uh, took that stage win. But 
Caleb Ewan was just behind him yeah. and showed his form. And I think for Ewan, this is a very important race because people have been talking about Ewan for a couple of years now. And he hadn't really lived up to, I think, some of the hype uh, over the last season. So to get a big win in the Giro, to look as strong as he has looked so far in the Giro, I mean, as a stage nine, he is very much in the points conversation. Pascal Ackerman is, is leading the points classification handily, but you know, Ewan, uh, is up there and yeah, he's just looked good so far. I think that's really important for Ewan heading into the rest of the year. I loved him on stage eight. Like that for me, that is, it's a great finish for him because you had that late corner. So it was a very short sprint. And you kind of had the train sort of break up around that bend. One or two guys didn't really commit to that wheel in front of them. And there was this you know, group of four. This Ackerman's lead-out guy, whose name escapes me right now, Ackerman, Ewan, and Viviani. And the four of them had a you know maybe half a bike length, bike length separation. And there's a freeze frame you can take right as they're coming out of the corner, 150 meters maybe. And it looks like Ewan is about to get boxed in. Viviani's launching. Uh... Ackerman has already launched. His lead-out guy is about to accidentally, on purpose, kind of steer himself back into the way of, of Ewan. And he's just got such a good burst that within two or three frames of this one shot where he looks like he's done, he is a bike length ahead of Viviani. He is clearly going to overhaul Ackerman. Like, it, it's the, the staying in that kind of chaotic finish and then finding that perfect time to launch, even with, you know, the kind of, dis- I think a little bit of disappointment he's had so far this year to me, that was really cool, and it's a really good showcase of what he does better than any other rider. Yeah, it was that explosiveness that people have been talking about for a long time, and he really has put it on display. Um, all right, that's what that's where we stand. That's the state of affairs. Uh, we've got a, a couple of big stages to come. I think uh, maybe we can get into previewing what's next before the final rest day in our final Giro podcast. Um, maybe make a couple predictions uh, and then... Uh, and then if you want, you know, Cosmo, you could change your overall GC prediction. Your your top of the podium pick certainly seems to be no, I'm, I'm sticking with pretty, that guy. Pretty strong. Sure. All right, let's get to the stages uh, to come here at the Giro d'Italia. After Monday's rest day, Tuesday, we'll roll on at the Giro with uh, stage 10. And if you were looking to enjoy some high mountain GC action after a <laughs> kind of sprinter-friendly first couple of stages at the Giro, uh, keep looking. Stage 10, not really a hill to speak of on this profile. I mean, not even a little bump to speak of on no, this profile. No, this is, this is, this is a get, let the break at 10 minutes while you stop and go surfing kind of day. Yeah, this I mean, is... mercifully, it's it's only 145K. Uh, and it starts in Ravenna, which, you know, for history buffs, that's a if you're at the Giro, I, I would recommend take some time, go explore Ravenna and the uh, you know post-Roman Empire history in Ravenna. And eventually you can tune into the bike race and I doubt anything will have changed from the start. And then finally they're going to sprint. Then you'll have an exciting final five minutes or so into Modena where there's Snaria Hill in the final 5k either. So it looks like a pure sprinter's day. If Ellie Viviani is going to win at this race, I like this one uh, for his kick. I like it for his uh, abilities. I'm going to go with Elliot Viviani for this one. I want to go with Viviani. I'm going to go with Pascal Ackerman. I think his, his I think his, I think his team 
We'll lead him out well. I think he'll deliver the win again. But I can see Viviani, too. Just want to be different. All right, that's stage 10. Stage 11, another one star. Uh, the Giro rates these stages based on difficulty, and this is it goes, another... It, goes, it does go uphill, like, there, 50 meters <laughs> in the last 20K. Uphill. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's true. Uh, it could be another one for the sprinters. I like Caleb Ewan for this one here. I'm going to go with Ewan, too, based more on the length of the stage. Eight was pretty long and a little bumpy. Uh, this is less bumpy, but also pretty long. So, finish isn't as good for him. There's a, a fairly long straightaway, but, again, I think... Uh, like I said, he's got that explosiveness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick him here. Stage twelve. There's a mountain. There's a category one climb within the final fifty kilometers. Things are getting crazy. A mountain called Montoso. It, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it it does also include a. Well, I guess not. Unfortunately, there there's a kind of a tough descent, a very steep descent following the summit of the climb. Uh, the climb is summited some thirty three k, thirty two k from the finish. Uh, the Montoso category one climb. There is a tricky descent to follow, and then. Unfortunately, it's kind of a flat-ish run into the line up until actually quite steep, but very short. It's like 500 meters, a little bump near the finish. Uh, I think we're going to see an actual GC day, or at least we're going to see a, a group of GC favorites with a possible uh, group finish. Uh, it's kind of tough to call this one, though. There's there's no there's no Alejandro Valverde on the start list to make it uh, kind of obvious I'm going to go with Simon Yates. I do think he has the explosiveness for this kind of stage. It's a good pick. And, uh, you know, the Yateses are uh, are excellent at these sort of finishes in the event that inflatable things do not fall on them in the finale. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Is, this is, that last, right before 2K, there's a 13% pitch for about half a kilometer. And, yeah, I don't know. I I really actually want to pick Vincenzo Nibali here, and I can barely even justify it. But you know, he I think of his his wins at San Remo and Lombardy, where he's used similar features with this kind of late steep downhill. I I don't know. I'm gonna say Nibali. Yeah, really those descending it. skills should come in handy. Stage thirteen. It's finally a real serious Legit. mountaintop uphill finish. And it's actually got some climbs earlier in the day as well. So yeah. it's 196K from Pinerolo to Cerro Sole Reale, uh, the, Lagu, the Lago Cerro climb. There are three categorized climbs on the docket for the day. There's a Category 1 inside the first 60K. There's a, a valley, uh, gentle uh, hour or so of racing. And then whew, the, the Pian de Lupo Category 2 climb descends straight into the category one finishing climb, which is a tough one. Uh, the Lago Seru is, it's long. It's not that steep, but it's 20 kilometers long. It's kind of an irregular climb. And after a day of climbing, it's going to be a serious challenge. I, I really like this stage. And, uh, I, I also just like that we get to have some GC action finally. I mean, we've seen GC action the old school way. This is the new school way. Yeah, just head head, insane right climbs. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a breakaway getaway, to be honest on this day, but, um, We'll 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 go with the GC winner here. Uh, I'll I'll say that I like Miguel Angel Lopez for this stage. Uh, as a climber, I think he stands out in this start list. He he has a lot to gain. He has a lot of ground to cover. Rogic can play it a little bit more conservatively. Uh, I'll go with Lopez. I uh, similar similar tack, different outcome. I'm going to go with Miguel Landa. I think a lot of people are going to be less interested in chasing, and it's so early in the GC. Do you really want to burn matches? Uh, yeah. Stage 14, another good one. Another very hard climbing stage. And it's a short 
stage. So it's just going to be one of those high speed, hopefully explosive GC days that, that race organizers are all about in, uh, in the 2010s here. We've seen a number of these kinds of stages at the three week races over the last couple of years. Stage 14 includes five categorized climbs. There's an early cat two followed by a cat one, then a cat two, then a challenging cat one, the Cole San Carlo followed by a tricky descent and then a short, but, but a little, little steep, I guess, uh, final category three climb to the Skyway Monte Bianco. So they're going a little bit of a ways up Mont Blanc here uh, on the Italian side. And uh, I think with all this climbing and a lot of downhill as well, I, I do kind of like this for the breakaway. This, to me, seems like a, a breakaway-friendly day. I think it's going to have a huge impact on the GC as well. But if we're talking about actually trying to pick a stage winner, you know, I, I think it might come from one of your Italian pro Conti teams or or perhaps a guy like uh, Thomas DeGent. I'm going to go with Ben O'Connor on this one. Uh, O'Connor last year looked like he was on his way to a top 10 overall. He was certainly fighting for one uh, before he crashed and had to pull out of the race. Not quite up there where he wanted to be this year, the Aussie from Dimension Data. But I think this kind of stage is just going to be one of those best climber that gets into the breakaway. He should get a little bit of a leash. So, yeah, let's see what he does. Yeah, I really like that pick, uh, but I'm going to go with Davide Formolo. Uh, he's, he's shown really good legs on stage seven. Uh, maybe lost a little GC time to get a, to, to try and get a stage win, which he didn't get, but he almost outsprinted Galopin, which is pretty impressive. Um, anyway, uh, he's up there on GC, but I think Micah will be the focus of a lot of his GC opponents, so I think we'll have a little more leash to get away, and this is a great day for him. All right, stage 15 is the last day before the uh, final rest day, and it's more of a puncher's stage. It's a long one at 232K from Ivrea to Como, beautiful part of Italy in the north, and it is very flat for the first two-thirds or so, but then you get these three categorized climbs in the finish. None of them are particularly long, but they are kind of steep. You may remember all of them from Il Lombardia. You have the Madonna del Ghisalo, the Como di Sormano, and the Civiglio climb, all of which feature in the Tour of Lombardy, the wonderful one-day race in the fall. And I think we're going to see something like that here. It's not quite as challenging as Il Lombardia, which has more climbs on the day. But the finale does have enough punchy climbs that I think we're going to see a, a punchy rider run away with this stage. We liked Diego Lissi. Cosmo, you and I both uh, picked him to win a stage earlier in the race. I, actually, I think maybe two stages. I'm going to go with him here on this one. He looked good in stage four, and I think... He's going to be able to shine on this Chiviglio climb at the finish here uh, and run away with this one. Yeah, that's a good pick. I I want to be a little more creative. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we picked him for four and we got burned on four. So I'm going to go with Richard Carapaz again for uh, for this stage. Cool. All right, that is stages ten through fifteen. Uh, after which we will have the second rest day, the last rest day at this year's Giro. It'll be a nice place to rest because they'll be up in the mountains in northern Italy uh, ahead of the final push, a very challenging, very tricky final week, uh, and we'll be back to talk about what we expect to happen then. Before we go, you know, we, we made our predictions early on, and uh, both of us put a rider on our podiums who is no longer in this race, unfortunately. Uh, you, however, Cosmo, you picked a guy to win the race who has done all the right things so far so far what's your podium look like what's your podium look like now after after nine days at the giro d'italia uh yeah i'm obviously gonna stick with rolich on the uh on the over for for the top step of the podium i mean he's he has done basically all the things i expected him to do coming in here and then some 
I mentioned his team was kind of iffy. We'll see in the mountains, but they've been really good support here so far. Everything from making sure he's in a good position when the race splits up a little bit to helping him take off his jacket. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The rest of that podium, though, it's 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 so shaken up. I, I kind of looking at Balcomolema maybe now as a dark horse. I mean, he had a, a strong TT. He's always a good TT guy. Uh, the question for me is what he can do in the last week, but I, I, I'm i going to pick him for seconds. I like him. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering if EF, I want to, I want to put, I want to put Tanel Kangard up there so bad because he's just been such a good, like not quite top level guy for so long, but I'm, I'm actually going to go with Simon Yates pulling on the comeback in third. I like Bacamolema. He's been a guest on the podcast in the past and we, we liked him when he was here, uh, digitally. I'm going to put Roglic atop the podium. I, I've seen the light. And I've seen how much, uh, how far ahead he is of his rivals at this point. Uh, I'm going to put Simon Yates second, my final podium. I think he still has plenty of time here to uh, recoup some of that ground he lost. Obviously, a strong climber. And I wasn't giving Vincenzo Nibali much of a shot to start this race. And yeah, we haven't had any real climbs yet, but he has looked good so far. So I'm going to put Nibali on the final step of my podium. Nibali's a guy you can count on in the last week. Yeah, yeah. All right. That is our podium revisions. One of us had to do a little more revising than the other. <laughs> we'll be back for the final week, uh, slightly less than a week, of the Giro d'Italia on the final rest day. Hope you enjoy the next several stages. They should be good, or at least after the sprint stages here in the early goings. This has been the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And that's our show.